I am your father. This is a Brandon Colby Jacobs from Facebook exclusive. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Touche, my nigga. Touche. Yo, what it do, what it is, man. It's your boy, Brandon Kobe Jacobs. You are listening to the Established 1984 podcast, man. It is crazy how many episodes I've been able to produce. I'm so excited that so many people have been uh, enthused. Uh, interested in being on the podcast, have taken the time out to listen to all of the previous episodes, and I encourage you to do the same, man. Um, All of the episodes are amazing, man. Everything that I talked to uh, Keith Kennedy about, thoroughly enjoyed that. Thoroughly enjoyed catching up with my friends Roger Ryder and Pat Benoit. I've talked to Belize, who I never got a chance to talk to uh, before. True fan of his. Love everything that he does musically. I'm excited for what the future holds for him. Grand Prix from Backdoor Music Group, man. That's a person that you really want to take an opportunity if you don't get, if you get a chance to make sure you listen to that episode because man he gives some real insight on what it's like to not just come from the local um, the local music community but what it's like moving into a kind of national role having now partnered with uh with Def Jam with uh with his artist Young Trap and then of course the episode that everybody is talking about the episode with Pretty Ricky Pretty Ricky keeps it raw Pretty Ricky keeps it one hundred and I mean, I think that it is those are the best kind of podcasts when a person is completely honest and transparent and they say what they think and it kind of resonates with other people. So then it creates other conversations based off of what that person has said. So that is probably by far the one that I think everybody should check out if you have not already had a chance to do so. Listen to it. uh, If you have already listened to it once, go back and listen to it again because you might hear something that you didn't catch the last time. Now, on this episode, I have somebody who is probably... uh, more so of a of an industry leader in Jacksonville and in Duval and really in the South. Uh, this next uh, this next guest on uh, the Established Nineteen Eighty Four podcast is none other than my good friend Toriano Newkirk. Some of you know him as Shot Out. That is not Shout Out. It is Shot Out. S H O T O U T. So just to clarify that. But uh, Shout Out is going to talk about a variety of things, man. He's going to talk about the industry. He's going to give you guys a lot of game. He's going to talk about what it was like growing up in Jacksonville in the 80s and early 90s, what it was like uh, being with Cool Runners in the early days, what it was like working with Billy in the early days and what their relationship was like then, what it's like now. Talk a little bit about uh, Billy wanting to hit me over the head with a bottle. <laughs> and you'll see how he brought that up on his own, not me. Um He'll talk about all of those things, but he'll also talk about BDS, explain some of those dynamics to people. So folks who are interested in getting into the music industry and want some insight on some of the valuable ways that they track music, Shout Out's going to go through a lot of those things. And of course, we're going to talk about his perception, or rather, how people perceive him. Is he really the asshole that everyone thinks he is? So without any further ado, man, here's my boy Shout Out. Yo, what it do, what it is, man. It's your boy, Brandon Kobe Jacobs. You are listening to The Established 1984 Podcast, man. And on my show today, I have someone who I guess everybody probably has expected me at some point or another to get him on the show. He is uh, someone who has been a mentor to me. He has been a friend to me. Uh, we have bumped heads at times, but ultimately, we have uh, always remained close. He has uh, been an invaluable confidant to me, has taught me so much, and... Um, you know, 
Hopefully, I made a positive impact on him in the time that we got to work together. But we're going to get an opportunity to talk about his entire career, um, you know, talk about his perception on some things in the industry and, and just kind of uh, get his perspective on how other people view him. I have the man, the myth, the legend. Shout out on the line. Shout out. How are you doing, man? I'm blessed. I'm blessed, brother. <laughs> That's what's up, man. That's what's up, man. Well, I've been trying to get you on the podcast for a minute. I know you've been busy. You've been doing things, taking care of the kids, working on different projects and everything like that. But I'm I'm glad we're getting this opportunity to my, sit down and chat. My office hours is from 9 to 5. <laughs> definitely, man. Definitely. In, 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 my red, in my big red voice. <laughs> That's why I heartbeat for, for just that might be too young watching. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Getting in on the podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, there's so much that we can talk about. Um, I guess kind of the, the best way and the way that we usually start off these podcasts, especially when we're talking to folks who are uh, local Duval legends or Duval influencers, is we kind of get a perspective on what side of town they're from and, and kind of what it was like growing up. So why don't you talk a little bit about what side of town you grew up, where you went to school, that kind of stuff, and just kind of, uh, you know, your perspective on growing up in, uh, in Duval County. Well, I'm eight town all day, you know what I'm saying? South side. But uh you know, I'm 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 a caravan alumni from the beginning. That's legit. And then uh it's really all all of them. I went to every 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 high school it is on the south side, every middle school down there on the south side, landmark, uh Arlington, Fort Caroline, Woolen Acres. Okay. Fort Caroline, you know what I'm saying? So uh and then Terry Parker, Sandalwood, Inglewood, but Southside, man. You know what I mean? I'm a Southside. I got my whole city because I got money everywhere. Right. You know, and when it was that time, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a young man that, you know, a product of Arlington. Okay. Okay. Now, I mean, obviously, there's I, I can pull up your bio because I'm the one who wrote it. Um, you know, so it's, it's nothing for me to pull up a lot of stuff on you, but can you kind of, uh, talk to the listeners a little bit about the, the role that music has played in your life? Because it's a, it's a pretty significant role from your father's influence and things like that. So can you just talk a little bit about growing up and how music has impacted your life? Well, you know, music, from, from time I could walk, really, I've been with my music. My mom, uh, married my stepfather when I was a year and a half old, and from that time I traveled on the road with him. He was the trumpet player for East Coast Horn Section that traveled with the Jackson Five from '78 to '82. Mm. Um, so okay. that was an impact on me from the beginning. Watching the biggest family in the world musically go through rehearsals and being, you know, in in studio sessions and all kind of stuff, and just being around the family, being around uh, Mama Cat. So that's Catherine Jackson, Michael's mom. Uh, Marlon and, and Tito, and you know what I'm saying, just being around their children. So right. it's just like a, a, a big impact that I learned a lot early, the importance of rehearsals and all those type things and instrumentation, knowing the difference between the saxophone, the trombone. A lot of youth today that's in music, they don't know half of the stuff that I learned at two and three and four years old. Wow. So that, that was the, 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 the start of everything. So what and, was it like um, being around Michael, like like at that young age? You got to meet Michael, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, I was around Michael a lot when I was, uh, you know what I'm saying, and people joke with me about it, but when I was little, my mom could tell you stories. Sometimes, you know, you'd be in the hotel, 
I learned how to open the door. I knew where Michael was at. I'd go chill with Michael. Michael gave me a little rat when I was small. Uh, <laughs> I needed a big thing. A little, a little toy rat. I carried that rat around with me for a few years. And then I think I came home to my grandma's house and I lost Bean. I, I think I went crazy about that for a good little bit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I was blessed to be able to say, you know, I met, I know Michael Jackson. Um, my name is Toriano. People don't know. I'm actually named after Tito. Okay. My, my, my biological father named me after Tito Jackson. Okay. And then Tito named one of his sons after me. Tito's name is Tori Anno, T-O-R-I-A-N-O. Okay. One of his sons' name is T-O-R-I-O-N-O. He okay. actually changed the A and the O okay. and named them after me. So that's, that's, that's something that a lot of people might not know. Okay. That's, that's cool, man. So you, you end up... So when do you guys... Uh, with all of this traveling that's going on and everything like that, when do you guys end up coming back to Jacksonville and kind of like, uh, I guess, kind of establishing yourselves on the South Side and really, you know, you start going to school and all? When does all that happen? And what's it like kind of growing up in the in the eighties and early nineties in uh, in Duval? Uh, actually, they they shipped me back. They stayed on the road for a little bit longer. I started. Uh, I want to say. Well, it'll be like when they do kindergarten. Right, 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 right. They they send me back, and I stay with my godmom. Okay. Actually, they sent me over. We, we lived on Easter Street. Okay. Which is off of uh, Arlington Road when I was a kid. Right. And uh, but my godmom stayed at uh, I remember it like yesterday, fifty one forty one Channel Door, uh, over there in Pickenville. Okay. So I ended up coming back and stayed over there with her while they were still on the road for a little while, and then they ended up coming back. Once they came back, you know, he just started doing a lot of club dates here. People don't, a lot of people don't remember the hotel used to be right there in front of the gateway. Mm-hmm. Right there on 95 used to be a big hotel right there. Oh, okay. He used to do a lot of uh, club spots and stuff. But that was their main, they did a lot of uh, events at that hotel right there before they tore it down. I don't remember what year it was that they tore it down, but that was right. a place where he did and a lot of uh, events. Like Reggie Dance, little OG, that's here, still do sound and stuff. A lot of different, did a lot of gigging together back in the 80s. Okay. All right. So, I mean, what just what was the energy like in the city? Like, because, I mean, obviously, I kind of know what the city is like having grown up pretty much in the 90s and stuff like that. But for you, just kind of as a kid in middle school and then the early, the early 90s in high school and stuff like that, what was that like for you? I mean, what was the music environment like here in here in uh in Jacksonville? I mean, like, who were the mover and shakers back then? Um, do they differ from you now? Know, back then we had we had WPDQ back in the days. Then my, my cousin is Joe Bailey. You know, he was on the radio back then. Mm-hmm. So you know, just the music was totally different. So he had Gap Band, and he dropped a bomb on me. You don't know about all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, the, the whole scene was different then. But you you. Me, I, I love, I, I, I grew to love instrumentation. Like, you've been in the studio. You know, I actually hum, harmonize and create my melodies with my music. I don't just go in the studio and just take a beat. I create, I produce my stuff. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. And that that came from being around all the instruments, just being around with a whole horn section, a drum, and all, and they smoking the weed, the room full of weed. I got a, bust, a busted nose, not, not nose, but a cut under my nose to this day jamming out dancing but they in there doing what they doing I'm doing what I'm doing and dancing for them and stuff so mm-hmm. you know music it played an important part but the sound everything was different in the city the vibe was different you know the way it is now is you know it's night and day but it's not a 
it was brought up uh, like Kudu, um, um, Function, uh, Light Diamonds. There was a lot of bands back then. It was about dance, you know what I'm saying? Now it's mm-hmm. just like rap groups. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't find three people in I'd be surprised if you find two people in a little rap group that any one of them know how to play one instrument. Right. But it was important back in them days. You was in the band in high school. You played the drums, you played the saxophone, you played something, and then you formed a little band. That was the vibe then. Mm-hmm. Now it's just, I'm a rap. Right. So that's, right. that's the difference. Okay. So, I mean, I, obviously there's there's this huge musical influence from the standpoint that, that you're really big on instrumentation. Now, how does that translate over in your in your early life, you know, as a as a teenager, you know, coming out of high school and things like that, moving into kind of the music scene, where you originally did you originally gravitate to hip hop, or were you you know maybe pursuing another another I, end you know I, another like, how would that happen? Back in the days, it was a it was a club called Colors, when I was like fifteen. I was a dancer first. It was a TV show used to come on, mm-hmm. and uh. They used to film it, and every Saturday it came on TV. So I became like a little fixture on that, you know what I'm saying? The producers, when they would see me and my clique come in, they'd be like, there they are, there they are. And uh, every week they just start filming us. It didn't matter who was in the club. Mm-hmm. It could be a clique of dudes in the club dancing. When we came in the club, they'd just move out the way and let us go and do our thing because they know the spotlight from the going up. And it went from there. And, you know, our original name was This, That, and the Other. Mm-hmm. Um, 69 boys, we used to be around Mike, Mike, them, mm-hmm. and a couple other dudes was with some of the OGs that lived in Alderman. And some kind of way, uh, even our, our dance name got caught up. This and that ended up using our name, a group that was on the 95 South. So okay. we ended up, uh, I don't know, a lot of people like, you no know, big up Kirk, Three Grand, the Twins, them. We used to do a little choreographing for them, showing them, and they dancers, which was Keisha Boone and a couple other people we knew at that time, mm-hmm. Raphael, right. and, uh, doing choreographing for that. Then it just evolved from dance. We was already in the spot. Like, I'm 15 years old on TV every night. Clubs, club, really supposed to be uh, 18 and older at that particular club. But right. I was in there, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it just, went from there, next thing you know, boom, 15 and a half, 16. Now I work at Cool Runners. Mm-hmm. Now I'm stamping hands and uh, using using my knowledge of, because I read three magazines every month. I read Source, Double XL, write on all the different magazines. It was just sometimes five magazines. So I knew what was happening. Right. And I started to tell Billy, there's uh, a ranking. Certain people like, hey, what about this person? What about this person? Some days they'd leave me. His daughter, Brittany, when she was a little girl, hey, we're going to leave T-Roy. That's what they call me. They leave T-Roy to keep Brittany mm-hmm. and stuff. I sit there reading my magazines and stuff. And they, hey, you should learn, hey, hey, bring Outkast, this new group, Outkast, and da 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 right. just little different stuff I was reading. Because at that time, Dylan didn't even play, play hip-hop. Oh, he was reggae. He only played hip-hop at 2 o'clock right now. Right. Let me, so, let me stop you. Kid, I had my ear. Let me stop you right there. Uh, now, I know you, I know there was a relationship with Billy, uh, bigger, uh, bigger ranking Billy Plummer, whatever you want to call him. We, we, we all know him by all of those names. Can you talk a little bit? kind of go a little bit more into that early relationship uh, about growing up around him and his camp and what that was like and what influence did did him and his camp have on, on you as a, I guess, kind of a industry influencer as much as a, an actual art, artist? Uh, in the beginning, my cousin, Jay David, me and Jay David was together. And uh, we actually supposed to be in the first group. 
mm-hmm. that he actually put a stamp on. Because like I said, he, I was, he was mainly mainly reggae. Right. And uh, me and John John as a group together were supposed to be his first group. We did songs with JT Money and uh, did uh, JT producer uh, Mike Fresh. We did a lot of beats. We used to, he used to bring them. We used to do beats in the back of the uh, club. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we never made it to the studio recording. My old, my other producer Drew. We would end up giving him the vibe of what we was doing, and then Drew would remake the beats. And then time just progressed, and I was like, man, this ain't really going nowhere as far as uh, allowing Billy to be like the manager per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, as a young as a young man, you know, you know, I have to salute like his his nephew Rayon. God bless him. Uh, my relationship really grew stronger with this family, uh, the some of the siblings of Billy, and like his sisters and. Uh, his nephews and stuff. That's what my bond really got strong. Like my first part, I mean, I emancipated at 16. So mm-hmm. Rayon wrote me a letter saying that I worked there. I got my, my first apartment at 16 because of Rayon, which is Billy's nephew. Mm-hmm. And, and I made a lot of money in that club and um, working, you know what I'm saying, working stamping hands. I learned, now, what I did learn, I didn't, being honest, I didn't learn a lot about the music. I knew more about the music than he did at that time because he played music, but I came from a musical background, being in the industry from a child, mm-hmm. and I read a lot. So my knowledge was vast than, than his at that time. Mm-hmm. And over the years, he's he's he's, he's got his, his his knowledge has grown broader as far as being in different situations and helping people. But at that time, he really was helping me learn the club life. I learned right. how to. It's like with me. Remember, you, you know when we were doing promotions. When you was younger, I walk in, hey, we need to get liquor sponsors. We need to do this, and we need to do this, and we can try to do right, this. But right. that was the stuff that I learned how I could walk in the club and look at the heads and know how many people was in the club. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and that's that's what I learned from Billy early. And mm-hmm. then uh, just kind of, I say, just being able to feel the crowd, you know, just knowing the the, 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 the vibe of, of the whole situation. It, it, that kind of stuff was amazing, I could tell with certain music that he would play when a fight was going to start. <laughs> yeah. which, which which pocket was going to act up? Right. Was it going to be Caravan? Was it going to be East Side? Was it going to be the North Side? Dude, Water, West mm-hmm. Side dudes over there. And depending on what songs he played, and then you learn how to walk through the club in the East Side of Town. And that's, I think that's what kind of helped, helped me become all city because I can kind of blend in and chameleon myself to each side of town wherever I went. Because mm-hmm. each side of town was in the club. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's kind of hard to think of a club that's 20,000 square feet and each part of that mall got 40, 50 people that's from this clique. And right. you can walk all the way through there and, and not one punch thrown at you. You, you got to be a real nigga. Got to be a real nigga. Yeah. So, obviously... um you know, and then you know, I know this about you. You you you've been viewed as a hustler. I mean, you've been viewed as a hustler in all aspects of your life. But uh, in those early years, you were a bit of a hustler in a in a more nefarious regard. You want to talk a little bit about having to come up and, and hustle your way right before you get to escaping the crab part. You know what I'm saying? As, as, a, as a young man who was emancipated at sixteen, you know what I'm saying? I kind of was forced to have to do what I had to do to take care of myself and get myself everything that I needed to survive. Right. 
And for those who don't understand what emancipated means, that means when you basically uh, you, you emancipate yourself and you, you have legal rights of an adult at, at an age prior to being 18. For those of you who, who don't know what that means. I mean, 16 years old, leasing your name, light billing your name. They are cell phone in your man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, caught in a cable at that time. Wasn't no comp cable, caught in a cable. <laughs> All them things in my name at 16. Right. So, you know what I mean? That, that was, uh, that, you know, it helped me today. You know, just everything I feel like, if I didn't go through what I went through early, I wouldn't be uh, as strong as a man, a strong father, a strong husband. Right. Everybody was emancipated early to actually know that life is real, life is life. Mm-hmm. There ain't no joke out here. It's grown man business out here. So um, that really set me on the path. Mm-hmm. So more than anything else, you know, I'd be going too far, but, you know, streets is the streets. I learned the streets. I learned how to be able to walk through the streets. I got my masters in the streets. I walked away from the streets on my own. Never been in trouble, never been arrested, never got in any trouble in the streets. Right. I saw, I saw the the OG Cape gave me some game one time. It's from point A to point B. Hustle ain't forever. Mm-hmm. Figure out what you want to do. Take your money and put it in something that you love and go. And that's so, and that's exactly that what you did. That's exactly what you did with that. Uh, with this first album, uh, Escaping the Crab Park. Can you talk a lot, a little bit about? What the process was in kind of curating that that very first project and, and when it released and, and its overall reception. But the uh, Escape of the Crab Pot was kind of crazy because when I first did it, I actually finished that album in '97. Okay. And uh, I had two I had two other partners with me at the time, and uh, I was in in my switch of trying to you know get out of things, and one became jealous of the other one. This one eating this way, this one eating that way, and that them two battling, both end up saying, "Well, I ain't gonna rap if he rapping it. I ain't gonna rap if he rapping." So I end up having to trash like, just say if I hadn't recorded seventeen songs, I end up having to trash probably ten, twelve songs. Right. The group, the the, the uh, big, uh, 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 solid five that I felt like, hey man, I came up with this hook, I came up with this, I came up with everywhere I felt like I controlled everything in that song, I like I'm keeping them. The rest of them, if somebody else came up with the hook, I ain't even gonna bother with them and I'll start over. Mm-hmm. So then I started over and I started recording only tracks. I did my first album the same my business partner, all pro studio. We first started doing tracks. He wasn't even in a studio. Mm. He was he was doing tracks in his mama house in Whispering Palms off Barnes Road. He's talking about the show? Sean, yeah, okay. and I and I motivated him into start doing the album. I was like, man, we could do an album. And he was like, man, I mean, we gonna do this. So I come to his mama house, paying. We do the tracks right there. Then we went up there. TWC was the name of the studio. Then mm-hmm. it was worth considering. Mm-hmm. And uh, the owner, Ken Andrews, at the time, big up Ken. Ken only really dealt with gospel artists, but as a young man, like this young man, you know, seventeen, eighteen years old, and he like. He won't. He won't take no for an answer. Right. His money there. He 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 on time. He handled the business like business. He's not saying he's gonna be there at eight o'clock and show up at nine thirty. He there at seven forty five, and mm-hmm. he like he let's go. And see this this back in the days when with Ajax, see these studio studio rappers today they getting it sweet. 
you pay better than forty dollars an hour for studio. I was paying a hundred dollars an hour, and I had to pay a, for an hour of studio time to format. They used to take like three VCR tapes. Right. If you didn't buy real ADEX, uh, you had to go buy three VCR tapes. Can you explain to people what that is? For an hour. Can you explain to people what that is? Because a lot of folks listening probably don't even know what that is. But but ADEX was a form of, of analog recording. Um, ADEX was you could record eight tracks on each ADEX. So for twenty four tracks, you had to have three tapes. Right. And see, like now nowadays, rappers like say you do your hook and you and you backtrack it two or three times, and then they'll bounce it wherever they want to put it. If you gonna have your hook five times, they just not, them that you had to do your hook each time, or or the engineer had to be very savvy. Eject tape, eject tape one, move it down to tape set slot three, take top, slip top, uh, the tape from slot three, move it up to slot one, and it get real technical. And you will be there longer if they don't do it right, or you just learn got to learn how to do your hook identical to the first time, each time, and each place where it go. So yeah. it took a lot longer to record. And and that just as a sidebar to that, a sidebar to that. A lot of people don't understand the talent that, that it takes to do what you're talking about because so like things like Dr. Dre and some of the stuff that you hear from Death Row in the early 90s, that's a skill that he had. That's the reason why everything sounds the same all the way through. When you hear Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style album, it's, there's a reason for that and that there's a real skill involved from an engineering perspective that, that a lot of people don't give the, the appropriate credit for. You know, they, they don't have any idea of, of how involved that process can be in order to Make that thing be consistent all the way through. To produce it, yeah. So. Yeah. So, but, um, so we started, me and Sean, we started working and redoing the album mm-hmm. and just coming with ideas, ideas, just coming with ideas. And then, uh, you know, dealing with situations in the streets, I always felt like, well, damn, you know, I, this this right before uh, uh, Three Six Mafia was taking off and before... Uh, Cash money wasn't really nothing yet, but Master P was going strong. So I was studying P a lot, but I was in, I was grinding. I'm in the streets for real. So I was just like, I ain't, I, I know knowledge. I know game. And I listen to the OGs, you know what I'm saying? I ain't finna dry snitch. I ain't finna be out here talking about something. You're doing it for real. So I made a lot of songs that was more related to the struggle, related right. to the downside of trying to tell brothers how to get out the game instead of glorifying the game and the stuff that Master P then was doing. Like, I'm a butt, oh look, ice cream man, and this, 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 and he, he, he glorifying it on one end and, and cats was gravitating to that. Mm-hmm. I was on the other side of the spectrum trying to tell them how to get out the game because you know, I am a jit, but I've been out here early and I'm trying to get out of it, but at the same time, I ain't finna talk about certain things you know what i'm saying right i got you because you know and then that's it, it wouldn't that you know it, it made it more of a struggle when you try to produce because if you go in the studio and you just count it's like we're doing this interview if i just took uh no bars approach and just went in depth yeah i remember one time i was over here on, uh, on cleveland road and i was on secret villain one time and and this right here and this dude <laughs> be like damn he just he's dry snitching you know what i'm saying right but if you compose yourself and then speak in such a way, you know what I'm saying, articulately, where you can get your point across, but ain't really, you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's the approach that I took with my music. Right. But I've seen these streets. I knew we were dealing with a Bible Belt. 
I knew the history of the city. I knew about Leonard Skinner. I knew about 95 South. Mm-hmm. I knew about DJ Trans. I knew about Mama Duke. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So then was the people that was coming right around me when I was younger. Because right. I was, I was, like I said, I was dancing. Mm-hmm. So I was in those realms, but not as a rapper. I wasn't doing music. So I saw a lot of things that they went through, and I knew about this crowd part. So I was like, man, I'm going to name it Escaping the Crowd Part. Can I can I escape the pitfalls and the things? Three Grand had a deal with MCA Records. You know what I'm saying? Kirk mm-hmm. got some money. 95 South got big records. 42 million records sold. Right. You know what I'm saying? All these things, but the city had still it ain't got a chance. They had to go to Orlando. You seen them with Orlando Magic with Shaquille O'Neal jersey on a senior hole. When I seen them niggas on a senior hole, and I was like, damn. Because I had them being in, in the studios and I had them being around Mike Mike and stuff when I was young with my mom. My mm-hmm. mom used to take us to clubs. I'm talking about juke joint, strip club, and let us dance. The old men throw us money. The strippers ain't even getting paid no more. We up there <laughs> pop locking and doing our thing. We getting money. So I had them being around all that kind of stuff young. Because right. they respected my dad as who he was as a musician. So mm-hmm. just being around all that stuff, it was like when it comes down for me now, I'm producing, but when we do it, my dad actually played, he came in on the song, When a Hustler Ball, he actually song on it for me. He came in from, uh, I think he was in uh, Japan at the time. He flew in, because he lived in Morocco, he lived in Japan, he lived in Spain, mm-hmm. he lived in Canada. So I think at that time he was in Japan and he came home, he got on the song and uh, played the trumpet for it and uh, just just gave me, you know what I'm saying, a, a, a wonderful song that I can always keep, and, you know, for the rest of my life and feel like that's something that we created together. Right. But um, the direction of it was just really trying to just, like we had something like Darker Days, um, like I said, one of us about Darker Days, Poetic Meditation. Poetic Meditation, we were talking about India, China, the satellites, and so many different things. When I went to go talk with record companies and stuff, they was like, whoa, hold up. Ooh, shoot, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I did, I did get a, uh, uh, with like I had a, this, this like now you don't have brick and mortar. Big Al's is gone, coconuts is gone, right. everything's digital now. Uh, everything digital. See, I had brick and mortar stores that used to sell my uh, big up Ray music and memories. All these people, if we, if, if I could touch any one of them right now, we was like we could plug in. They'll tell you, uh, Suave House rap a lot. All these record companies are calling and say, well, you know, who's your biggest selling independent artist in Jacksonville? But see, I was learning about, I used to go in there and sit with Miss Angie and Mr. Al for hours at a time sometimes and just learn uh, the lingo as far as running a, a record store. Mm-hmm. And see, people don't even know, like, Van started the same way. Van worked in Cal's, which turned into Big Al's. Right. You know what I'm saying? He worked in a music store for a long time so but I never worked there I just used to, I had free time I just go in there and learn and co-ops and uh in caps and then doing listening stations the big time radio big time artists was buying uh listening stations so I'm like shoot I'm gonna be big I want the listening station I want my next just right next to big Mike, right next to uh scene and and uh, uh Master P and and, and and Silk the Shocker. Wasn't no other independent artist in Jacksonville on the wall with mine. Right. All my posts, I make sure I'm a, I'm not gonna do the little eleven by seventeen. I'm doing eighteen by twenty four. This is ninety eight. 
Right. And then when I when I put the album out in '99, you know, I put some marketing on it. Duval's first born because I was like, as far as hip hop, I was the first one to come out of this city that was doing hip hop. Then you had somebody like uh, Mr. Myrtle on Um Fufu, where he changed his name to now. He came out. Then after that. A few years later, then you had like MOE click, but which wasn't MOE at the time. I forgot, but they were something else before MOE. 904 click. click. Yeah, 904 click. Then you had Duval Ballers. Like all of them came, like they started coming after. Right. But, yeah, because uh, they were they yeah. were coming up in the. I think a lot of them graduate. You know that like they're they're in high school in '98, '99. So there's kind of like that little two year window where you just kind of kind of floating around. And I think um, because for me, I was in high school in 2000 and the first artist that yep. the first group that I see is is chosen few. I, we were talking about them, talking about Ivory earlier um, on one of my other yep. podcast, on my, one of my other episodes. And like that, that was the north side guy. That was the north side guy that we identify. Yeah, with. Yeah. See, Ivory was coming up at the same time. We used to do rap battles. And, uh, Ivory Click and my Click, we used to go head to head all the time. You know what I'm saying? Him and uh, Ty Stick all the boys. We just smashed their ass every time. You know what I'm saying? We had a, one time there was this girl. She had put a competition, supposed to take us to Cleveland. We was gonna go do a song with uh, uh, what them boys now? East ninety nine. He won't come to me right now. What's the name? Thirty for his bone. Oh, oh, Bone Thugs and Harmony. Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah, the girl. She came from Chicago. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna set this up. You gonna do? So you know, we were trying to smash their ass for real. We wanted to go to Chicago. We ain't even <laughs> going nowhere, but. We won a little battle, but um, yeah. so, it was you know what I'm saying. It, all of that was a a little time progression, and then I did my, my second album a little bit after that. Like I I had gained the eye of uh, Leroy Butler, um, Aaron Beasley, and then Fred Taylor. Right. And then uh, I I chose. I I thought I was choosing the better of the three because I was like, okay, Leroy's a little older. Um. Aaron Beasley, he from he from Pottsburg, Philadelphia, PA. Mm-hmm. So it's like he probably more gonna like hip hop, hip hop. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be battling yeah. about my about my trade. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then I got this Florida boy with, who came here with gold teeth in his mouth already, born in '76. You know what I'm saying? A couple months older than me. That's who I go with. And we went with the second album. And the dude I had in, in Georgia doing my pressing. Right around this time, my wife was pregnant with my first son. Mm-hmm. It was just like a lot of stuff came at one time. Like that second album was supposed to be in it for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I had, during that time, I had went to Nashville, met with, with Tone and Pope, Trike Masters, and met with Master P and Jermaine Dupree, had my bump in with uh, Russell Simmons. Now, now what was all of that all like? That what was what was it like meeting those guys in that period of time? Hey, because man, that I don't point, want to talk about that kind of stuff on here. That's why Tupac ain't here, and that's why uh, Pimp C ain't here today. You know what I'm saying? We talk about that, but them boys ain't here today because they were talking too much. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to leave it like that. Okay, okay. uh, Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about, about, because I see how the progression goes, and I see the level of success that you have in the the early 2000s. Now, we get to the the mid-2000s, and you're recognized as one of the major successes of Duval from from an artist standpoint. So much so that, that, that you finally billboard chart with the single Beep, 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 and you did a remix with Rashida. 
Um, can you talk a little bit right. about um, being an independent artist working a record like that to get it to Billboard chart? To kind of give our listeners a perspective on the work that it takes in order to work records and be an independent in the mid 2000s. And, and just talk a little bit about who helped uh, help with that project that ultimately ultimately elevated your career. Um, one of the things I, I want people to understand is the difference in two is one side where you can pay for everything, the other side is organic. Organic is like when you really going city to city, hustle to hustle. When you going in them 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 house studios and, and them underground radio stations that might have BDS set up, uh can you that, explain that, what BDS that, is? Because some folks don't know. Huh? Can you, uh, talk BDS about, is, yeah. is, is, is the direction with Nelson, where you, uh, each song that, you know, every song artists do, all the artists should register that song with BDS. That's the only way you can get the tracking for your, for your product. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no different than, a, than a, uh, like a registered barcode for that song. When it goes across those airways, it registers for that spin. Every time they play that song, it counts. It's like a little ticker for you. Mm-hmm. It don't matter where it's at. It counts, and mm-hmm. that's with all of the record companies. They checking they they checking BDS every day because they're paying for promotions. They're paying for advertisements. They're paying quote unquote doing payola. Uh, so they want to make sure what they paying for. They're getting what they what they dollars is allocated at. Right. So when your name start popping up next to because at that time you know. This was when, when T-Pain was coming up. T-Pain was at, like, number... I want to say T-Pain... At one time, T-Pain was at, like, 86, and I was at, like, 67. Mm-hmm. And we kept going. Me and TJ got in a couple arguments at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, before, you know, we had to get to the, the big breakdown of you and Billy, the blowout in cartouche. <laughs> you know what I'm but that, we'll get to that in a minute. But, um... Uh, <laughs> uh, the work ethic that it takes... Going city to city, city to city, from Mobile, Birmingham, Jessica, you know, back and forth to Tampa, and and moving up and down and buying a vehicle, wrapping it, or just buying a vehicle and stocking it with what you need and hitting it and paying for hotel. Some days sleeping in the van, right. but some nights we get that they 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 was booked up. We had to sleep in the van. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So working that record like that and. I don't care if I went into one place, I might have sold. And me, I'm like, you know, he told me from getting an interview, you know what I'm saying? I'm a hustler. So if I had CDs, T shirts, whatever I had, when I get to another city, I'm a hustle. Get us some money to eat. You know, I was always told, you know, my biological father was a hustler. And uh, my dad told me a long time ago, if you come home with less money than you left with, you ain't a player, you just got played. So anytime I stepped out of the car, I might have money, but I always wanted to feel like I wanted to get us some money today. So we can eat, so we can take care of this, so we take care of that, gas up the truck, all that kind of stuff. So right. each, each city where we went, I move units. And sometimes I used to stand in front of the record shops, wherever city we was in. Like it was a record shop I remember in Tampa, me and Big Ed, Big Up Big Ed, my man from Memphis. You know what I'm saying? That's the, That was my driver who went everywhere with me, took me to a lot of places. Right. And um, Ed sat in the van smoking his Newport cigarette, and he watched me stand in front of shortstop these people in front of a uh, uh, Temple record store. I think I sold like 20, 20, 25 CDs in a short number of time, $10 a unit. So then I went back inside the store. I had just went in the store and tried to put some in there on consignment. They didn't want to do it. 
they were like, they don't know if it's going to sell. So I was pissed off. So I went outside and I don't take no for an else. I went outside and stole 20-something units in front of they store. Mm-hmm. Walked back inside and gave them half of the money to buy a listening station and to set up and put my posters up on this wall and in the window and say, will you sell it now? And I want it right here by the register. Mm-hmm. I want it for a point of sale. I want it right here. Them people put that there. I call you. I, I promise you, brother, like four days later, they had done sold out all of the CDs. I sent them some more CDs. I told them, keep all of that money. I'm going to send you some more. I want you to do this, do this, do this, do this. And boom. I just started doing this in every city where we went. Next thing you know, we moving up the charts. But what I did notice is as we was moving, you know, the higher you go up, with new releases, if you put, it, I don't care if I'm one artist or them. When you put, if you put a product out at a time in the market where it's a void, right. if nobody's dropping, just say you drop a, a, a record in the middle of March, and you check the the the, 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 the uh, breakdown the, of what's coming, yeah. the coming, the coming albums for, for new releases, and nobody's dropping. If you drop that CD that month, that that Friday, and you sell three thousand units. You could be number 13 on a billboard chart. Do you know that? Yeah. yeah. You don't I mean, know yeah, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's so, all about placement and execution. At the time. Uh, it's all about placement and execution of your marketing. Yeah. Right, right. So uh, at the time, you know, you had T-Pain and a couple other people that was coming. I, I, I haven't looked at the charts in a while. But it was all type of people on that chart and I was beating them. Right. Just on work ethic. But the more that I started, and I started getting an argument with like uh, 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 TJ the DJ, and so and it was more. It was, I you mean TJ was Chapman, not TJ the DJ. He would have been too young. <laughs> I'm not TJ DJ. I'm not TJ DJ. Uh, TJ but Chapman. You know, that's the name of his thing. TJ the DJs. Yeah, TJ's DJ, uh, TJ Chapman. Yeah. Right, TJ Chapman, and uh, it was like, you no, know, like little slick stuff was getting back to me, and that was more. I felt like you know he's from Florida. I'm from Florida. If anything, y'all should be pushing us together. Right. You know what I mean? He's he a singer, and I'm a rapper. I remember when 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 the Nappyheads used to come to the studio when I was a partner at Black House. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Paying bills over there, keeping the lights on over there. Right. And he used to come over there and record. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you know the, what I mean? The like, Nappyheads is T-Pain's original group. Fahid, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I had respect for them boys, and I was like respecting what what Pain was doing. Like, you know, learn how to change his, himself a little bit and, and evolve. So I wasn't, I wasn't hating on that. I was cool. But at the same time, nigga, don't hate on me. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm a young black man who's trying to get up. And if you can help push me up, help push me up too. Right. You ain't even got to do no work. But don't at the same time, don't talk bad. And I was here like, oh, wait till, uh, wait till this ain't, till this don't happen like this. No more. So honestly, I feel like something started to shift a little bit. I don't know if it was just in my marketplaces. And they had a little more influence, and mm-hmm. things started to kind of decrease. And then we would walk in markets, and it would be more like, almost like 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 pimping a prostitute. Like they want me to pay you, pay mm-hmm. payment for the payment. Like hold on, how did, what we what we got to this part of the game? And I used to tell my stepbrother at the time who I was working with, like you know, what I'm saying this music game is fickle. If you start paying, you gonna end paying. All like the a time. female. If you, pay, if you pay for the pussy the first time gonna pay for it every time so let's not start that then that came into a situation with billy because now we're out of town and he went behind my back and paid somebody in miami they say you know guess who's in the club at the same time in miami 
he find out this dude done got paid and he in Jacksonville and hey these your people from Jacksonville and yeah they paid us blah 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 and now he looking mad cause he ain't get nothing right and y'all jump past me so it, it, it just stuff started to happen with that particular project where we was you know what I'm saying we started talking about the beat 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 but uh that that was the whole and in in a nutshell when that ball started turning just other things that happened being, you know, my stepbrother got in trouble. It was other stuff behind him. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like a, a snowball effect. And then I kind of just pulled back for a little while without him. Okay. So we... Let, let, let's... Because I, I, now I know uh, there are a couple of things that he even filled in for me. So since you brought it up, before we get to to the, the quote-unquote battle or altercation between Billy and I, can you talk about meeting me? You meet me in fall of 2005. I had just moved back uh, from Tallahassee. And um, I think we met at a, um, at D. Wash's record for me. Right. I was a college yeah, rep yeah. for Universal. What was it like? Uh, what was it like working with me? What What was my work ethic like early on as I was uh, still getting my uh, my feet and my bearings under me in the music industry and all of that? You was, you was, a, you was a little arrogant motherfucker. <laughs> and for me, I liked it because people. Always, I'm not arrogant. I'm cocky. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm confident. And mm-hmm. people always like people take confidence as as being arrogant. You know what I'm saying? When you confident and you cocky about your because when you don't get it all yourself, you're going you're going to have a little bit of that. Right. And uh, just just other things you were going through. You know, you're a college student. You were educated. And uh, I just think, you know, big up your mom, big up your dad. I think with the, the, the I ain't gonna say training, but with the, the uh, love and game and knowledge that they put into you already, you were somewhat that way too. So I think that's kind of what had uh, it made us kind of build a bond. I saw some things in you, and then uh, at the same time, it was a boy for me. Because just like us going on the road and you just picking up the position as, like assistant slash road manager. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of stuff away from me that usually I'm used to doing because, um, like G. Wiz said a long time ago, he's like, shout out, um, we respect you on artistry. We respect you on your business, but we don't like both of them. Mm-hmm. We don't like when you come in and you're the artist and the asshole. Mm-hmm. It's like you Dame Dash and Jay-Z at the same time. Right. Either... Be the be be the businessman and get you some artists, or just be the artist and get you a manager. Right. And I was always felt like, shit, why I can't do both? Right. You already know everything. What's the purpose in paying somebody to to do a role that you already know how to do for yourself? Right. So now when you came along, it was almost like I was trying to give you some of the stuff that I had, and if I could kind of position position you in the play in a way to. Think like I thought, and just go walk in and be the asshole that I need. Mm-hmm. And that's all I was trying to kind of push you in that position. I didn't know how long I had with you because I know you had Roger them. I knew you had aspirations for uh, doing new blood and other things. So mm-hmm. I wasn't going to hold you on the coattail forever. Right. But at the same time, if it was meant for me to just put a couple of things on you, like when we start doing the club events and different stuff like that, just putting little, little tidbits of game to you. Then, uh, then that's what it was. Right. But you know, 
Miami, Memphis, all kinds of different places we went. Let's not talk about Memphis. Let's not talk about Memphis. Florida, Mississippi, when the manager, now you the road manager, you dead drunk. I got you on my show. That was your fault. That was your fault. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were talking about it in the strip no. club that night. <laughs> no, I'm talking about when we got when we got to the uh, we got to back, the back to the Especially having, like I said, being not just an artist, but kind of a local industry influencer. Your career has spanned, uh, spanned the history of a great deal of the local industry scene. And recently I had Pretty Ricky on and uh, he talked about how, quote, these old niggas got to go. Now, he never told me and I want to clarify this. He never spoke to any specifics on who he was referring to. Um but from your perspective, has there been a time in your career where you felt similarly? Uh, and do you say, do you share the same, uh, you know, POV that there are local industry influencers uh, of of prominence that you know maybe to the to the national scene are kind of the representatives for Jacksonville who have not helped the industry move forward in a positive way and perhaps need to step aside or step down. Well, I want I want to say. I'm, I'm a true believer. I talk to the old heads all the time. You know what I'm saying? I go to the gym. I don't even work out with young dudes. I sit around the old heads because I'm just being real. A young nigga ain't got nothing to teach me. Mm-hmm. A nigga who, a nigga, I just turned 40 last month. Okay. Uh, a a, a, a cat who's 40, my knowledge and gain, I don't care if it's real estate, whatever, going to exceed his, the grass that he may even have. So I got to go talk to the 60 and the 70 year old. So the same thing when I was coming up in the music game. I had already been around some of the old heads, and I knew who had certain knowledge. So for me, I always bump heads out. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm old enough, and I'm, I'm wise enough. I can say, hey, at the time, Billy ain't know nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm just being, I'm just being real. You know what I'm saying? I got a big up OGs like Earl Cockett, Arthur Johnson, Pops, all the people. I'm, you know, I'm privy to a lot of information. You right. know what I'm saying? So, I, as, as a young man, you know, I was able to sit around him and soak up game. So, as far as music, now, when it comes to controlling the crowd and filling the club, can't nobody do it like that, man. But when it came to the music industry, he was bored of knowledge of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now, somebody like Pretty Ricky, he might be looking at like, oh, but, you know, Billy needs to move. Or, I ain't saying he said Billy, but... I, yeah, because he said no names. Man, I want to clarify that. He, he did not say any names, but, so... <laughs> But it's only it's only certain names you can say because who you gonna say? Billy, Derek, watch your name in your way. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Big up there. You know what I'm saying? The record pool. All he ever tried to do was bring things, situations to the city to help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, promoters. You know what I'm saying? Like Mr. Jordan. You know what I'm saying? He brings shows, opportunities for artists to get on if they want to. He yeah, city he's, to he's city spoke to positively of Levi Jordan. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So 
The only person, honestly, I ain't, I ain't putting words in my mouth, but I don't think I can look at you, okay, okay, we're busy. But busy not even here right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Then you got G-Wiz, who, you know, back in my, when I was really doing my thing, he wasn't nothing but a mix show job. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You had people like Tiffany Green, um, Aaron Maxwell. These were program directors that I had to deal with. I had to bust heads with, like, look, bro, you ain't even from my city. They just shipped you in here. And when they was over off of Durham's Avenue, right. I spent many days up in that office. You right. know what I'm saying? Once they moved on Beach Boulevard and things began to change a little bit, you know, and you went from from 92.7 and now you 93.3 and now you this right here, now you Cliff Channel. Now you your Cliff Channel. You go over there, it's iHeartMedia. Yeah. So when you look at the people, he's not even, I want to say he's even a catalyst for trying to hold something back. The thing is, it's just like that dark cloud. And the artists of the day, it's like trying to find that silver lining through that, through the, through the muck. Because it's still like a cloud over the city. So you would, you would get the vision like, damn, it's something holding niggas back. But that's what I was saying when I did the first time, escaping the crowd part. Honestly, bro, any artists that come out of this city, they're going to have to learn, they're going to have to know. It's like fighting a family curse. We all from one city, you know what I mean? And, and, you fighting a family curse, man. You trying to you trying to get through. You got to pray that thing off of you, and you got to work, and you got to think outside of the box. You can't continue to think in the box while you're in this city. You got to think outside of the box. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the way they, what the boy did with tra- you know, traveling to New York, you know what I'm saying, finding an investor, finding somebody that's doing something else. They, they did a, a, a smarter thing, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, to try to help get something going, get creating a situation, you know. Sometimes you have to do it. Even that South Southam, you know, them boys had a uh, fat black girl and uh, I'm just, my Suzuki with the boom back in the day. You know, but they had to take some love. People don't even realize why all that stuff happened. They took a deal over here. They, they you know, when it all, them boys ain't end up owning the masters and all that. 42 million records sold. They didn't even produce the money that they were supposed to produce. So when they in Orlando, then you're trying to come back to Jacksonville. When you come back to Jacksonville, they're looking at you like you rich. You're mm-hmm. better than what you was, but you ain't where you're supposed to be. Right. And it's like it's been time after time, artist after artist, situation after situation, left biscuit, even on rock, because I still, it's still the same family. Mm-hmm. You got you got Leonard Skinner, you know what I'm saying? They did good, hell, they went down in the plane crash. You got Mason Bethel, who's from Jacksonville, but he, I, like he's from New York, but he came here and he took off when he went from there. Mace was right here in Duval. Right. You know what I'm saying? Then you got Glenn Jones. Glenn Jones. R&B single, he did good, but he only went so far. So it's like all the things. I think out of everything, the biggest people that really did the biggest thing was probably Lil Biscuit and um, Yellow you know, like Puddle of Mud. I think they were from Middleburg, but 95, uh, 69 boy, 95 South, and Lil Biscuit. Wasn't somebody from Yellow Card from here? Yellow Card from here. Mm-hmm. Um, Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Okay. You know what I mean? We've, you, it's been more rock at a time. You know, this this. You know, you know what this city is, man. It's Florida, Georgia, man. It's right. it's first Baptist Church. It's this all of them, all of the above. You know, right. man, Jacksonville Beach. You know, so the city is changing. I guess now it's looking more, starting to look like a little, a little Memphis, uh, a little Atlanta. Right. It's more and more blacks. You see it more relevant, and the crime and stuff like that is starting to kind of boost up a little bit. But we're not as bad as some of those places still right. to this day. So, and I thank God for that. You know, I'm trying to do my job and do my part like I can to try to, 
Like right now, my operation I'm doing over here, you know what I'm saying, bring, bring back all of them, you know what I'm saying, make the hood good again. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, um, the, the, the artists that's from Jacksonville, man, they got to learn to just fight. You can't blame nobody. Like with, with everything, you know, I could have blamed uh, TJ. I could have blamed Dylan. Like, them niggas hating on me. Did it done. I go meeting with Michael Cam from Atlantic Records. Hell, you know, me and Billy, I came up under Billy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He will tell you to this day, shout out is an original cool running member. Mm-hmm. But when I went to this meeting at, in Atlantic Records with Michael Karen, first thing he asked me, this white man asked me, did I have a real nigga radio? But I didn't get a real nigga radio because I knew that was Sykes' shit. Mm-hmm. Out of love for Sykes, I ain't feel like I should really, if I was going to get the money to Sykes, put it on his books, then I would have did it. But I wasn't going to pay for no real nigga radio, and real nigga radio don't belong to Dylan. So it you, so you, so who is Saxter and 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 because I di- I didn't know anything about this and so why don't you talk a little bit about that? What okay. is that situation? Saxter is a CTT. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So no CTO clouds taking over. CTO, okay. I'm talking CTT, CTO. And uh, you know what I'm saying? He was doing doing his thing. You know, Saxter, me and him had a had a conversation when he first came out of the halfway house. He was like, "Dude had brought my CD." in the halfway house. That was his motivation to come out and start rapping. Okay. Shout out was his motivation to come out and be a rapper. Mm-hmm. Sykes the older than me. Okay. And uh, Sykes was doing big things. Studio, rap bands. And uh, he did an underground radio station. Right. That was his angle to try to get his music heard. He ain't going to radio. He had them sponsored stuff and did a little tour and did some other little stuff. And uh, you're like, well, I'm gonna just do a radio station, real nigga radio. And we just play all the music there. And Billy was actually uh, a radio jump there. Mm-hmm. He would come on and be a jump, you know what I'm mean? saying? Right. On, on the underground station. Mm-hmm. Well, Sykes went to prison. Sykes got locked up. When Sykes went to prison, um, Billy switched it over to a mixtape. I made it real nigga radio, but a mixtape. Right. And they start charging for the mixtapes. And for my, I'm just being, you know what I'm saying, me, let me like say, I ain't, I ain't no jit, you know what I'm saying, I'm a grown man, so I can say this part, like, some people might not speak on it, but what word was coming to me, like, Seister wasn't seeing none of that. So I was like, I had love for Seister, I had love for Billy, so it's almost like you got two friends, if, if you're in the middle of two friends, right. you just, you and don't one get friend argument, getting money, right. Yeah, like, I ain't finna give, I ain't finna give, I'm not finna give, it's just like it, it was me, you, and Roger. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna give you some money, and I feel like that money supposed to wait to Roger. Right. I just won't go into it. Cause yeah. when Roger get, at me, get mad at me and say, well, why you gave that nigga the money for such and such? Mm-hmm. You supporting him to shit me. Right. Damn, my bad, dog. That's the only thing I can say. So what I did, is just, I just didn't get in it. Right. But hell, I didn't do it. So when I go into a meeting with Michael Karen, so maybe I got a little bit of hate, or maybe something didn't go. But when I see it, man, you know, I went into a lot of meetings, saw a lot of things that I'm privy to, and a lot, some things, you know, I turned down on my own. So I won't blame nobody for my career because I am where I am today because of what God wanted me to be. So I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't really be upset by none of that kind of stuff because the richest man in the world came by our bank. I'm happy where I am today. Right. I'm cool. Right. You know what I mean? I'm content. Mm-hmm. I look at a lot of the money. What I'm not happy about 
is I invested hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars into something if I just had a portion of some of the money that I put into my music career today, I could really make a lot of different changes in this community. I could own more investment properties. I could um, pay for both of my kids, my oldest two kids, college tuition, right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So people don't understand how much money in Los Angeles economics is in the music industry. Every 5,000 set of flyers, every studio time, every uh, um, thumb drives, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whining and dining DJs, <laughs> going you know, down, to, going down to Miami and having to be a part of the youth football classic and shit like that. All kind of stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? You know, you you know, going going down there to, to snooker bowls and yeah. hotels, all that stuff is lost in economics. You're not getting any of that stuff back, right? You know what I'm saying? Unless that record just jump like it, or you start to really just get... See, like, this new wave now, I wasn't in this new wave, but, like, with Plows right now, when, and when Plows started to get the mixtape going, and, and, and Gotti went up, mm-hmm. it's okay, well, boom, you know, you, you just put a CD, mix CD out, and let it run, and then you're getting booked 4500 then you up 10000 and you mm-hmm. And that's what started the 360 deals. Right. Because niggas you know wasn't saying? selling niggas wasn't selling no units no more, so they had to the 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 labels yeah. had to get their money some kind of way off the artist. See, I come from the original shit. I'm trying to get mechanical royalties. I want to know what my points is. Da, 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 all that kind. Of, man, we ain't even talking about that. Now they even they ain't even on three sixty no more. Them motherfuckers on finger deals. It's like we in the fifties again. James <laughs> Brown, him. It's like when Motown, niggas get on the stage and do what's wrong and get your ass off the stage. We back there now. Right. All right. How did we get back here? We went backwards. Wouldn't be and the first time we've gone backwards. The industry, the, the, the industry, the the, the 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 powers that be, that two percent that's controlling everything. It's like, okay, we finna push restart on this shit. Because mm-hmm. niggas getting paid, niggas getting money, niggas getting smarter. So it's still to this day, what nigga distribution companies to speak of? Right. It ain't none. I salute that boy. Uh. Um. Chance the Rapper? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I salute that young man. Ooh, I salute that man. Because, uh, you know, that, that's been my hustle for so long. Just grinding brick and mortar and just, I was pressing up my CD. That's the thing that I used to, I mean, you know, I got love for cash. I got, you know, but they started, when they started, come on, they had a different mindset. That thing was, we're just going to press up 10,000 CDs and give them away. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm pressing up 20,000 CDs and I'm trying to sell them. <laughs> you fucking up the market. That's right. Like, to me, it was like, I took it related to the street. They're like, if I'm out here selling, I'm just using something hypothetical. But I'm on the corner selling dope. And I'm over here trying to sell my, my, my juggler. Mm. And you on the other side of the street and you giving them away? <laughs> man, hold on. How this work? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, you, you fucking up the block, bro. Yeah. Because I've been, I've been out here. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all coming in, and y'all gonna do your thing. Like, me and me and uh, his brother, I had a better relationship, better rapport with Vic than, yeah. you know what I'm saying, Cash was younger. So Rest in peace, Vic. I had, a, yeah, I had a RIP, you know what I'm saying? Rest in peace, real hustle. You know what I mean? I had a better rapport with him than I did with Cash. And Cash was kind of a younger brother. And he was, you know, cocky at the same time. He was a baby brother, so he cocky. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He he was the artist. Right. You know what I'm saying? When you the artist up under something like that, and then 
drunk gonna pour into you and shit, that blow your head even more. See, I'm 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 a hundred percent. If it costs twenty grand to do this, I gotta put this twenty grand in me. Mm-hmm. I'm believing in me, so it was always a little different. So, right. you know, that that, that situation is how it, it it just evolved in the city, like how we get to where we are today. So I would say all that to say, like whatever Ricky might have said, or whatever. Only thing they can do is take the situation that they have and push. The artists that's in the city gotta understand this is a crowd pot. It's a crowd pot mentality. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, in time, I'm going to jump back. When Jim Bean was was doing things, mm-hmm. Glitter Riding, uh, there was a couple of different little labels that was bubbling at the time. Dead AP Broke Entertainment. Dead Broke Entertainment. Um, yeah, Dead yeah, Broke, I think. Dead um, who, who was on Dead Broke? Um, golly, that was that label that, Ro- that Roland Powell, um, the comedian, Roland he was Powell, doing. Yeah. He was doing with somebody, yeah. But he was he was he was he wasn't in that meeting. I was talking about like glitter ride. I had a little okay. meeting at the landing. Oh, okay. And I was trying to get trying to get brothers to understand, like, look here, Mike. To collectively, you ain't got forty or fifty thousand dollars right now. Mm-hmm. To dump, because I I don't win at some of these meetings. And if you can't dump one hundred fifty thousand dollars into an escrow and say that's from promotions, you ain't finna do nothing major like distribution. Think you're gonna get the master P deal, right? The cash money deal, them, them that shit dead. Yeah, the 80-20 oh, deal is long gone. They were because they yeah, they that, never that, they that, never that, they never thought that they never thought that either one of those two uh, figures of those of those two labels were going to live to profit off of the deal. So hell yeah, they gave them eighty percent of the profit and just took twenty percent because they knew those guys had upfront capital and they said, okay, fine, y'all ain't even gonna live to see. An album come out. Little did they know. So, little did they know. But at the same time, they were like, "We'll never do this shit again." Yeah, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When Master P, when Master P sold sold like ten million units, they were like, "Feel like we fucked up." That nigga put out a CD every day. (laughs) Tomorrow, Master P, the next week, Master P. I'm like, God damn. And niggas was picking them up like hotcakes, man. It was ridiculous, man. And all of them, yeah. and all of them, and all the music wasn't even that good. <laughs> no, man, that man, that man had Penny Pixel. That's when Penny Pixel was doing all the graphics. Right. Man, had that man, that man had Penny Pixel in his office every day. He go another one. He go another one. <laughs> photo, put that shit together. Throw that shit. I don't even think they was mixing some of that shit. Man, fuck it, put it out. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Let's get it. Yeah, when, yeah. when, when that shit happened like when that shit happened like that right now, that just made it like. Artists today, if you think in that way, you know what I'm saying? What I would say today at that time, I was like, that ain't gonna happen. So I'm like, bro, if each one of us, if I could put together 10 of us and we put five grand a piece together, we can do a compilation album, a two, a two, a double CD. Like, this is a little bit after, you know, pop CDs and all that stuff. Right, right, I think right. we can do a double CD. We can put, allocate um, money to do five videos. And this, this, you know, videos now. It was back then. It was gonna cost us a thousand dollars a video. Now you get videos now. Well, I ain't gonna say a thousand. Probably about two thousand dollars a piece for the, at that time. Two, three thousand dollars at that time. Now you get video four hundred dollars. Right. And they look, they look good. Dude got four K camera. Four K for four hundred dollars. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, that's that's what I say. We couldn't get them. I couldn't get Deshaun met with me. And we talked. Man, we couldn't get those 10 group of artists to come together and put five grand a piece together. So I was like, it's yet to be a big compilation album out of Duval 
but collectively, some artists can come together and say, this is our sound. I had the movement. It was called Build Our Sound, Build Our Town. You know what I mean? If we could build our sound and, and put these, these are the 10 companies right here in Jacksonville that's major. And we came together and we did this thing and we could have took off. Right. It's never been that in Jacksonville. It's, it's to this day. You can't, you can't get, go on the north side. An artist who's from the north side go on the south side to sell his CD. You won't hear, oh, shit, my homeboy rap. You know what I'm saying? I fought with such and such. Well, you know what I'm saying? I'm such and such. You'll sit by my seat. No, I, I, fought, with my, I fought with my dog. You know what I'm saying? My mm -hmm. dog, five. Mm -hmm. I understand your dog, five. But can you support another rapper? Can you listen to, man, I don't listen to that shit. You know what I'm saying? You're like, damn. That's where we at. And when, when that when that stuff started to change, like a little bit now it's starting to be a little bit more love. You got people like Boca on them. You got people but like Belize. You got people like uh what's another little dude I can't think right now? Carlito, you know what I'm saying? I'm rocking with young dude. Manny um, G. Got, huh? You got Manny G out there too. He's from um he was he went to First Coast High School, but he's been doing some stuff with Cash for years now. Yeah, and then you got trap, you know what I'm saying? So but I can't really put Trent Trap been grinding for the last couple of years doing different things. So um, I'm mm -hmm. speaking more like kind of new way. So these guys that's coming up right now, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, believe, even believe, you know what I'm saying? People don't know, you know, you had to deal back in the days in Swallow House, you know what I'm saying? So we're dealing with stuff with Tony Drake. Yeah, he so, was on the show a couple, uh, a couple of episodes ago, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was traffic then, you know what I'm saying? He used to come in the studio, we did some stuff with him back in the days. But, you know, this, this, this city, man, until the artist really kind of can, most, you know, if, 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 if somebody is separated, then you can always defeat them. Right. But when we, when we learn unity in this city, and that's kind of as the OG now, like, you know, I'm 40 years old now, man. I mean, I ain't, I ain't afraid to say it. I still look good. I'm still vibrant. I'm still moving. Right. But I'm 40 years old now, you know what I mean? I went back to school, you know, for all these years of doing marketing and advertising, 20 years in this industry doing all that. I went back to school getting my degree. This mm -hmm. is my last semester for my bachelor's degree. You know what I'm saying? You know, back in the days, you used to go into school. Man, you know how you been. You could go home go home work, college boy. I mean, I fuck with you all kind of shit. Man, I went back to my damn shit because mm -hmm. I know what I'm doing. I'm doing what I'm doing. But now looking back, saying, it's that extra little tool. Right. It's that extra little niche right. when you walk inside. Just it ain't. It don't mean you're smarter than me. You right. just tell that company that I'm willing to to invest that time to pursue obtain that knowledge and get that degree and pursue this. That give the, give that person an extra little push over that person who didn't do it. Right. So okay. that's kind of you know what I mean. That's 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 the same kind of motivation and dedication these artists here are going to have to have. We're pursuing that thing, you know, this four and a half, almost five years that it took me to get this AS and digital media, this AA, and now this bachelor's. Right. Okay. Then I do the same thing to evolve in this music game. Right. It's, it's, it's a hustle just the same way. You got to get your associate's degree. And when you get your bachelor's and when you master this shit, when you get your master's, then you'll, you'll be sitting double platinum and you'll be doing some things that you would never thought you'd be doing and you'll be earning that bag running up a check, whatever slang they want to use today, you're getting your money. Right. So, from, uh, okay. you brought up, you brought up, uh, the situation with Bigger. 
um, you know, that one of the major influences, one of the major influences since you brought it up, um, that yeah. that that Ricky probably was talking about was bigger. What what is your current relationship uh, like with bigger? And if you want to talk about that that situation with with me and bigger, you can. But what's your relationship with him like but, now? Okay, you you don't put it there. Um, I'm gonna go there, then I'm gonna go here. Okay. Go like that. Okay. At that time, when I was on Billboard, you walked in, you heard a private conversation, boom, 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 you brought it back to me. It was Billy, Jamie, and then my cousin. So, they was all talking. Whatever was the conversation, I think that came from PJ, that Billy was saying something, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't so, even remember no more now. Yeah, so, when you brought it to me, you know what I'm saying? Straight up, you know what I mean? I'm, 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 the, I'm, the, I'm the mouth and not the tail. Mm-hmm. So I could bring it to any one of them straight in their face. I was straightening my cousin first of all. You my blood. You if, if you be somewhere any nigga talking about me, you supposed to slap the shit out of him and tell me later. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's your friend. But tell him to shut the fuck up and you know what I'm saying? But I'm talking. This my my cousin. He two years older. He big cuz, but. I stand a foot taller than him, damn near. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So at this point, I'm looking at it like, you know, I'm out here hustling. I'm taking chances. I'm grinding. I'm invested in myself. Don't be negatively talking about me or allowing somebody, because I wouldn't let a nigga in the streets do that about you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and then Jamie, you, know, you you're an ex-business partner, business associate. You know what I'm saying? You done stole from me. So at least, goddamn, let me go eat. Mm-hmm. Don't you be talking about me? You done took from me, and then then shit. You tell people you like a godfather to me. You like a, I'm like your godson, and it's different things. You hear different interviews. He say different stuff. But this nigga TJ ain't even from my city. This nigga from Tallahassee. Nigga, all us from right here together. Mm-hmm. So, but when my when this young kid who got more loyalty, got more loyalty and more love, they come and tell me that you three niggas was talking about me. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up when I know all three of y'all longer than I know him. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, that was, you know what I'm saying, that built up my loyalty and my, you know what I'm saying, love I had for you at that point right then, because you could have just took it and like, hey, that's still a ranking. Hey, you was talking about, shout out, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, I mean, because you got to keep in mind, just as an aside, you got to keep in mind too, and, and I've said this, like, I grew up admiring bigger rankings. Like, I mean, one of the first people... The reason why I get to Bodie, which leads me to get access into that record pool meeting, is because I saw a CD sitting on Mataran, you know, uh, Jordan's father's sitting on his table in his office at his house when I first moved back to Jacksonville. Because I ain't have no Jacksonville connect. So I I literally looked at the CD. I saw that it was a mixtape. He had done like a, a reggae mixtape and his phone number was on the back. And I blew that nigga phone up until he answered the phone. Um, I told him who I was and that I worked for Universal and yada, yada, yada. And he said, yeah, man, just, just call Bodie. Here go this number. He shot me over to Bodie, you know, cause he didn't want to deal with me. So, but ultimately like that was somebody that I, that I looked up to. I mean, I still have a certain, you know, it's kind of hard to not be from, to be from Jacksonville and not admire bigger on a certain level. You know, like he's a, you know, when you're, when you're my age, he's like the figure, he's the, he's the person that you want to model yourself after. You know what I'm saying? But. But go ahead and finish the story. Um, yeah, it was from, you know, that particular night. Um, that I went in. I think I, I think I had went and saw him a couple of days before. I caught them three at Cartouche. And, um, uh, I brought it all three, um, 
you know what I'm saying, straight up right there. And then uh, after that, um, I think it was about a week or two later, it was the record pool thing. And I don't know what it was. It was something he, I don't know if he was giving me some type of award or it was because he had all of us on the stage, if I remember correctly, like me. Uh, yeah, we had, we had everybody had been called on the stage. Just I think it was for you guys as influencers because I was there because I have a photo of you, D Wash, Ivory, and Cash. Now, just just to kind of add a reference to it, a week prior to that, I saw Billy at Cartouche, and I was in the back. I don't know if I was with Roger or if some of them were there, but ultimately he lit into me, angry about me talking to you about you know what was going on and what had been said or. Or who was talking about who or whatever. And so then he lit in the meal yeah. or whatever and quote unquote banished me from the club. So, but yeah. So then fast and forward, we go to the at record. At night, pool. when you walk back in the club, you with me. Right. So it's like, like he more, I guess it was more like an attitude. Like maybe he, I told this nigga don't bring his head to the door. So mm. just so happened when that night, uh, we were standing, we was talking and. He said something to you. If I, I don't remember what he said, to, but you were standing behind me. He called me a boxy boy. He something. Yeah, he called you something. Yeah. But he wasn't talking to you. He was talking to somebody else, like one of the DJs, like, trying to push your boy, this, 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 and looking in your direction. Mm-hmm. And then you might have called his lips, him, and a boxy boy, or whatever, whatever. And then you say, Billy, what you talking about? Billy, I ain't even said that. And you would get it. So I'm looking like, what the fuck going on? So then, he, I saw him grab that Heineken bottle. So when I saw him grab the Heineken bottle, that's when I went and scooped them up. And picked them up like off the ground, like, man, straight up. No, 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 nigga, you going to talk to me, nigga. Let's go in the back, me and you talk. But if you hit this young boy, who, who old enough to be one of your kids, I'm going to make sure he press charges. Like, no no street shit, like, none of that. Like, you, you overstepping the boundary. It's not a street nigga. It's not a nigga who, from the block, this is a kid. It's a college student. This is somebody who looks up to you. If you get him with that bottle, I'm going to make sure that he press charge and he go through the proper channels. I'm going to make sure of that because other than that, I'm responsible for him because he's up under my umbrella. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when we went in the back, you know me and Bill, we got in that big argument. Then my cousin came in the back and me and him getting in the argument because just certain little situations, and I didn't like how he was standing over me. I didn't like his tone, just everything at that time. So mm-hmm. he just turned into something bigger in the back. But that all died down. You know what I'm saying? Nothing came. Nobody didn't put their hands on you. And because I told him, somebody said, I'm going there and slap the shit out of him right now. And I thought, I said, if you go in there and slap him, I'm going to slap the shit out you. <laughs> you were talking to J Baby so, when you said that. <laughs> you were talking to J Baby when you said that. I remember that. <laughs> right, right. I was talking to my cousin at the time. So he was kind of mad, like, well, damn, you my cousin. But at the same time, I just told you the other day, you my blood and you let me need to talk about me. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that was at a little time when we were dealing with, you know, turmoil and different little things. So, you know, we way better than that. We passed all that now. But, you know, that just that music scene, that whole little thing. I don't know, it just brought up different stuff and brought up a lot of attitudes, a lot of egos. Like me, I'm peaceful. I'm, I'm very peaceful. I'm peaceful then. I don't, I, don't, I never bothered nobody, but I had a lot of money. I'm taking a lot of chances. I'm investing a lot of dollars that um, I could have been doing a lot of different things because, you know, I always, like I said, I always listen to the old heads. You know, I got a father. My, my biological father was in 
doing fed prison when I was in Mexico, when I was out here emancipating myself. Mm-hmm. I had a father sitting in federal prison. You know what I'm saying? And he always told me, he, a, a wise man can learn from somebody else's mistakes. Don't be that fool that got to walk through it himself. Right. So I always taught the OGs. I always try to get as much knowledge as I can. Just like when I go, just saying, when I go to the gym in the morning time, I sit with the old kids. I want to talk to that 77-year-old man who done been divorced three times. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That done went through prostate cancer and this, uh, you know what I'm saying? All them different things that he could just tell hey man, be careful, go to the doctor, do this here, do your checkups, do, you know what I'm saying? Right. Just a lot of different stuff that, that we don't get. You know what I mean? Like, different, different things that I try to do, you know, like, I was just talking to my, my stepdad, I mean, I'm stepdad, but my father-in-law today, because when he getting ready to graduate, you know, he's a college professor, you know what I'm saying, a dean, a doctor, respiratory uh, doctor, he teaches, uh, respiratory for Western Governor University. So he always, like, Tori, you're so smart. He just see me on, on, as far as my mental capacity. Right. Like, you're so smart. You can work You can work for the CIA. He want me to, I'm like, man, I ain't working for no damn CIA. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can do anything you want to do. With this. I'm like, man, I never I never applied for selective service. It's certain stuff I can't even do because as a young man, shit, I ain't got nobody telling me this kind of stuff. So, and I get old because the hustlers, they weren't going to tell me, hey, boy, you, you signed up for the draft? Nah, <laughs> what's that? I registered the vote. They don't do that? No, nah, they don't do that, bro. You got to go do this right here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you're 18 or 26, you got to sign up for the draft. So to this day, shit, it's certain shit that I can't even, I can't even apply for a government job because I never, I never applied for selective service. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, Looking to the old heads, looking to the game to this day, you know, Billy getting older now. So nobody's promised tomorrow. So I just going back and like we talking, we talking about Billy today, talking about Billy back then. He was getting in the game, he was trying to get stronger. He wanted to be that person that broke records. So egos. As long as we got egos involved, shit ain't gonna never go the way it goes to go. Right. But to to this day, this man in Atlanta, he not a not really. He's not really a force as strong in the city. G. Wiz would be more the stronger person because you got to get through G. Wiz to get the dark runners. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. um, really, funny. just working this community. Uh, I was gonna say it's funny that you that you brought up uh, that you brought up G. Wiz because I had a, a question for you. But go ahead and finish your thought. Yeah, but I just feel I'm just kind of like you know me and because it's so much. You know, I got so much history. And so much, you know, vast and privy information and conversations. It's like I could bounce around all day long, and we can go from here to here to this person to that person. But I just feel like right now, Bill is not really a, a conflict for any artist in Jacksonville. Um, he's not. He, I would say, kind of, you know, just use him as an ally. But it's not really something that's gonna help or hurt you. I say it that way. Okay, but because, but you guys are on good terms now. I'm saying I don't. No, hear no evil, see no evil. Oh, gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Out of sight, out of mind. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I can't tell you the last time I talked to Billy. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So, you know, I think I hit him, let me say, probably a couple of years ago, I was doing, when I had my TV show for the teens, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I wanted him to do something. And then uh, he didn't do that. But when I did my last comedy DVD, Who Had Gone Crazy, he came and did a skit for me with pretty eyes on it. Okay. You know what okay. I'm saying? So, you know. Okay. He did come do that, but that's about the last time. That was that was the last comedy DVD I did with two two thousand thirteen. Mm-hmm. So you talking about that's three years, right? You know what I mean? And I'm still in the city. You back and forth, 
but like I say, I'm not in, I'm not really in that realm, because I'm not running to every event, every, oh, bigger rank is going to be at this place, and uh, I'm not running to none of that shit. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, you know what I mean. You you read the four eight laws of power. I'd rather not be seen. Right. I'd rather take that ability to be touched away from me. Okay. When you do, when these people do see me come out, it ain't nothing but love. Cause you ain't seen me in a year. You ain't seen me in eight months. It's like what you been doing, boy. I know you been up to something. What you got cooking? Education, learning, right? Raising my kids. I mean, I got a 15-year-old son. You know, when I was doing service first, my albums was my kids. Each one of my CDs was like the child that I was raising. And I was, as I was producing them, it was, I was putting them through elementary school. And then I was putting them through middle school. And when I dropped that bitch, I was putting them through college. Right. And that's the money that I was putting in them motherfuckers and raising them. But then when I started having them kids, man, I had to start thinking different because, yeah, I come from a product of my environment. That my, my biological father was in federal prison, was a hustler. My stepfather was with the Jackson. Papa was a rolling stone. Right. He played with Cameo, Millie Jackson, Teddy Pendergrass, all these people. He was never home. Right. So where's the father? Where's the father? I'd be damned if I do that to mine. Mm-hmm. I made a pledge yet. I'm going to make sure all my kids... My daddy told me a long time ago, keep your pole in the same fishing hole. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Keep all your eggs in one nest. Don't make the same mistake I made. Have four, five different kids for four, five different women. Try to take care of four, five homes, and then if you find a woman you want to marry, they ain't trying to take care of six homes. Don't do that. Right. So okay. I try to make sure, you know, I, I be there with my kids and push push them. So now it's like, I, can't, I stay out in people's space, man. Any artist who's from here, man, Focus, find you a niche, and get the hell out of here. Right. Don't sit in here. And I told the artist now, I said, you got to figure out the niche. You got to figure out what you can do different, and then you got to get the hell out of here. Right. Sit in here, trying to do it, ain't going to do it. When that motherfucker come back here from Atlanta, like really I want to say Atlanta, because Atlanta and Miami and New York, you ain't got the money to, put, to, to get those markets. That's like somebody going from here to L.A. Yeah. I'm not gonna go blow my record. It ain't gonna happen. Right. If you couldn't do it here with your money, you know what I'm saying? It's low cash. It's low deal. You know what I'm saying? You can't do it with ten thousand in the city, twenty thousand in Jacksonville. Man, you ain't gonna do it in New York. You ain't even doing it in Atlanta. Right. So you gotta go to something smaller. You gotta go Baxley, Georgia, Thomasville, Georgia, mm-hmm. Brunswick, Folkestone, Waycross, Pinesville, Savannah. Mm-hmm. Knock all that shit off. Tear that shit up. Become the man now. And then when they tell back, what, what? Uh, Lil BB, boy, he tearing it up over there. Boy, Lil <laughs> BB, oh, he got BBS fans and Lil BB doing it up. Then when G Wiz see that shit, you know, when he come, what's up, G? Boy, I heard about you down there. You have such and such program direct over there. And the DJ right here over here. You know, we friends. We, we, we was just having dinner together in, in, this conference in Atlanta, they was talking about you. They were asking if I knew who you was and did it, so they fucking with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I'm finna get you some more spins over and do. Come do a radio interview with Easy E. Come do an interview with T Roy. What you got? What? Now you move. Now let me ask you a question. Yeah, I did. Let me ask you a question. Um, yeah. Based on the fact that you brought up radio, uh, what is your perception on local radio and its ability and or willingness? to help develop local talent? Are they doing all they can, or do you feel like they could be doing more? 
good cats in those cities, in those counties. But, shit, you know what I mean? We was traveling. We were going places. Shit, the motherfuckers weren't really knowing who, it wasn't like it was no big thing. We went out there like, oh, you know Big right now? I think I heard them, um, but who y'all is, bro? You know what I mean? Yeah. Got the rap band, got the jackets and shit, da 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 da. So we went out. We got to see like shit. Shit, I named Jesse the Big, cause we here. It ain't, right. You know what I'm saying? It ain't who you talking about, it's who in front of it. Right. So different different caliber of what people perception was. Right. And it's the same thing that's that's just like here. I you know, I the I say, it's gonna take unity, bro. That's the only way that's the only way we gonna break this, man. In this city, we gotta get past we, you know what I'm saying? We, we Jim Crowing each other. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we segregating each other. We killing one another. It's just so much stuff, man. I mean, I, I, I walk around, you know, you, you can't even get a young brother to speak to you. You can say, what's up, bro? And, and young cats today will look at you. Right. Like, who you talking to? Then I said, how you doing, King? You know what I mean? When I see young brothers and, and, and OGs in the street from the morning, you know what I'm saying? I say, good morning, King. Good morning, Queen. I seen a lady the other day said, good morning, queen. She looked at me like I was stupid. She looked to the side like who I was talking to. I said, if I called a savage bitch, then she might have she might have took that right. <laughs> they want to be a savage now. Ain't no queen. It's the mindset that it's like we just gone, man. And musically, when we come together, when you get a couple of artists that can come together, you know what I'm saying, like Jim Bean, I, was, I had the pleasure of being, I'm not Jim Bean, but uh, the other day I was in the studio with Fish Grease and then my, my man Dollar. You know what I'm saying? Dollar got a lot of hot records. Like not right now, I mean, I'm going more into the realm of management now. I'm going right. more into the realm of uh, like consulting. A lot of a lot of the rappers today they call me time to time. Shout out, hey, what you think about this? Right? Shout out, hey, what I what I need to do about this? Shout out, da da da. And I, I know I ain't really been charging nobody. I just been, you know, just giving that knowledge. Each one, teach one. Right. But I'm, you know, I'm getting close to graduation now, so it's like now I'm finna say, okay, well, I'm an influencer. It's time to cut me a check. You're 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 getting to the point now where you're you're an influencer that they need to be cutting the check to. Yeah. Yeah, I need to, but I'm gonna set things up a certain way. Well, I'm finna manage a couple of groups. I'm signing up a couple of groups and artists up under me, and. I'm just gonna help lead the career. You know, what I mean? that asshole, that Duval Dame Dash that they love. I'm finna make him. I'm finna be that asshole, okay. but not for myself no more. For the artist okay. that I'm working with, you know what I'm saying? All right, but so I just want to see again the unity. You want to see more? Okay. I was gonna say you want to see more unity. Uh, I, I have yeah. one major question that that I want to. Uh, kind of end the podcast on before obviously you tell everybody what you're doing and how to contact you and things like that. It's a little, it's a, it's a loaded yep. question, okay? Okay. Now, being, <laughs> now being very candid, some might say that you lack the ability to push through the glass ceiling in the industry because of arrogance and inability to receive criticism, whether that be your approach in, uh, in doing business or creatively with regards to your projects. Furthermore, some might say that you come off uh, talking to people in a way that leads to a perception that you think that you're above them. To all of that kind of criticism that that is really personality based, what do you say? Uh, I say the, the uh, old old hood proverb, "Pin like asshole." Everybody got one, you know what I mean. But I to defend myself, I would say, when you've been through what I've been through, you've seen what I've seen. Ain't nobody gave me shit. 
not one person out here. Ain't nobody gave me shit. I worked for everything I got. So when you when you get out here and you hustle and you throwing rocks at the penitentiary and you trying to stay positive when everything around you is negative and you fighting, you have to be the advocate for yourself. Right. You have to be that arrogant person and be confident and be cocky because the squeaky will get the oil. The squeaky will get the oil. So when you learn all these little proverbs and all these, like anybody listening to an interview, they ever say, well, he got a lot of little sayings. But that's the stuff that I learned from them old heads. Mm-hmm. Who done been through some of this stuff and done walked through. So I learned early, speak up. And don't let nobody put you, you know what I'm saying? Don't let nobody push you over. Either you stand for something or you fall for anything. So some of the things that, you know, I you know, I could stay in there as a 40-year-old man and say, if I, if I pushed you the wrong way, I apologize. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. You know what I mean? I ain't too big. Oh, I stepped on your toes. I'm sorry. Do I need to buy you a new pair of shoes? Oh, we good? Okay. You know what I'm saying? That type of thing, you know. But at that time, bro, I was just taking so much. I'm a young man. I'm trying to, I'm trying to balance home life. I mean, this this March coming up, man, it's 20 years for me and my wife of marriage. 20 years. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You got some old couples ain't been married 20 years. You know what I'm saying? It's old couples like your mom and your dad that that's like examples. Right. You know what I'm saying? We had time when we even sat and ate dinner with your mom and your dad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, that's that's examples for us. But for me, the young man at that time, the people ain't saying, well, you with this and you with that. But they ain't know what all I was dealing with. I'm balancing home. I'm trying to balance street. And I'm trying to balance a career. And at the same time, I'm trying to make the dream become reality. So if I was an asshole, I'm sorry. Right. I know no other way. Like Kate say, I only ask of you respect my motherfucking hustle. Right. So like that's all I ask of you. Disrespect my hustle. If you don't if you don't agree with disrespect my hustle. Respect the hustle. Okay. Well shout out I wanna I wanna thank you for getting on the on the podcast today, man. I think that there's this definitely beats the record of as far as length, but I think that quality, value, information that people uh, can probably obtain from from this podcast will will be uh, tremendous. So I want to thank you for your time, man. Um, before we go, man, why don't you uh, give everybody uh, you, how they can get in contact with you, projects that you got going on, that kind of stuff, the Instagrams and and all of that kind of stuff. Man, I'm being honest. Uh. What is my Instagram? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, terrible right now. Uh, yeah, that's terrible. I gotta get. Uh, you know, I'm on this social media stuff, but I'm not really. I'm not really there. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I think in a couple more months, I'd be more prone to because I'd be like, I gotta do this for this person, this person. I gotta make everybody know. But I think, uh, the real shout out D A R E A L shout out S H. O T O U T ain't no you and me. If you all want to say shout out, I ain't no shout out. I'm shout out. You know what I'm saying? So the real shout out. That's my uh. I think that's my Twitter too. The real okay. shout out. And uh, but man, I ain't been on my Twitter in two years. I don't even. I get texts from it. You, know, <laughs> you, and, you and me both. I don't really. I don't really do Twitter. I'm an Instagram guy. So. 
said man if you're trying to get in contact with me about the podcast if you need to talk to me about anything if you have any suggestions for the podcast you can email me at brandonkobejacobs at gmail.com i am on instagram at brandonkobejacobs you can also reach me on snapchat at bkjest1984 my name is brandonkobejacobs and you are listening to the established 1984 podcast take care